0: Static Energy Podcast is the hottest podcast on the planet, hosted by your boy Mo Giles and co-host, cool-ass Lauren Michelle. Tune in Wednesdays on all major platforms for that static on what's current in culture, controversial issues, comical commentary, and an incomparable vibe you won't find anywhere else. It's a perfect way to tackle those midweek blues.
1: Static Energy Podcast is everything but static.
2: Yo, what's going on? It's your boy Mo Giles right here on the Static Energy Podcast. Today I got my co-host Whitney,
1: cool ass Lauren Michelle, what's popping?
2: And for the second time this week, we got co-host special guest.
0: Hey, it's Seneca Monique, I'm back in the building.
2: Yo, Seneca, they loved you last. <laughs> they week.
0: loved you, Seneca. <laughs>
1: We <laughs> they love so you.
2: Any requests, and you know they said you was their sex therapist. I'm
1: Dr. Ruth 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back, girl. Welcome back. Yes, welcome,
0: hey, welcome. I
2: missed y'all too. That's
1: For real, up. it was a total, total vibe. So you know, round two, we we're gonna make it another dope show, and boom, you know.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we like to start to uh, show up with paying our respects to uh, someone who has transitioned over. Uh, RBG, who was very um, impactful in women's rights. Uh, Mm Um, I I tweet, I said that she was our last uh strong fighter that we had. Um, so what, what? Mo? I
1: wouldn't say she was our last.
0: I
2: mean,
1: well, well,
0: wait a minute, hold on. Go ahead. So, what's the one thing that you and I have in common that we talked about, you know,
2: that we talk about
0: that we talked about? Okay, I'll just tell you. So you and I are both Pisces. Okay. So her birthday is the exact same day as mine, March 15th, 1933. So that the fact that she was a Pisces and she was a trailblazer, yo, know, she was bad.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. When
0: I look at this, her catalog of
1: work, yes. she was bad. She was yeah, She did a lot of great things. Yeah, she did a lot of great things for women.
2: I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, when I say she was the last strong fighter that we have, because, I mean, at the end of the day, her body wasn't even worn. Still, it was still worn, and they're talking about, you know, appointing or naming the new um, person to fill her seat before they bury her in the grave. And I think yeah. they said by Friday or Saturday they should be doing that.
0: So the president can appoint whoever he wants into, into onto this seat. We got to realize before her death, Um, The Supreme Court, you know, you have nine judges that sit on the court. Um, It was five to four. Now it's going to be six to three. That's why it's like really important for us to get out and vote because this is what, here's the thing, everything that we have now, all of our rights, everything that we fought for, it all had to come through by a law being passed, right? Right. So these laws, they go to the top, you know, so we don't get out here and vote that whole that whole supreme court gonna look crazy so my question
2: is i mean you're right so my question is this so if this whole thing was about you know uh, voting to make sure that we still have control in the supreme court and now he's about to fill everywhere even at a local level yes i mean uh, very important but now with this happening what does this mean like where do we go because i'm hearing like if he do this or it could mean trouble for you know uh republicans and this might secure you send biden to win and if that if he wins that means that the democrats pretty much have a little bit of control and they're going to put up a fight so what is this in terms of voting where does this leave the people like how do y'all feel about this
1: i think what people have to realize right now and and i'm, I'm talking to myself when i say this as well um you know like the candidates that we have to choose from right now is is a gun and a knife we we, I've said that you know lesser of two evils or whatnot but if you pay attention to what Trump is doing in office he's putting a lot of his homeboys into position that thinks exactly the way he does and for us that is scary you understand yeah. what I'm saying? I'm talking about the laws we need changed around mass incarceration. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're going to make that even harder to change. You know what I'm saying? If we allow Absolutely. Trump and his homeboys to continue to have that power in the White House. So that's the most important. Like, what we have to understand, the stuff that we want changed and social injustice and all of that is never going to happen with Republican. Well, I'm not going to say with Republicans in office, with Trump and his homeboys in office. Because... Mm-hmm. If you look at what he's done throughout his four years, what is he doing? He putting all of his homeboys in position to carry mm-hmm. out his bullshit. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just call it spade a spade, right? So, like, that's why it's so important that we get to the polls. And again, I'm not telling you who to vote for, but we can't have another four years of what we just had. You know what I mean? Our mm-hmm. future depends on it. So, you, you got you have to make your voice heard on that.
0: There's a reason why at 87 years old she was still sitting in her seat. Like, Absolutely, she didn't
1: think yeah. to retire
0: because she knew. I mean, I'm just my opinion. She had to know, like, nah, I can't give up this seat because she knew what it would do for the country.
2: Like, uh, she said, as long as she could stand, she was gonna go. She was for gonna it. be, yeah. yep. She yep. was gonna continue. Yeah, and she knew what it meant. You know, send to hold that seat, you know, um, Seneca. So you know, her being a woman of, you know, of fighting for women's right and being an advocate for women's right. Um, What impact, and I'll start with you, Seneca, what impact does she have, I guess, on you? And and Lauren, you can answer this after Seneca. How does her death affect you or has her...
0: So, yeah, uh, just looking at her catalog of work, and I didn't even realize some of the things that, you know, she is responsible for, but I'm going back and looking at it. I, I can remember as a child um, watching television and if a news anchor became pregnant, they weren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Or watching TV a show and if a, a, a lady became pregnant, they weren't there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so she changed all that. She made it so that, you know, if a, per- if, a, if a female gets becomes pregnant at work, she can still work. She can't be fired for that. Yep, That's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, other things like... Um, the VA, Virginia versus the US, where she ruled against, you know, allowing women to be able to come into the military school in Virginia. Correct. You know, things, oh, the Fair Pay Act. What was that? Um, Lily Ledbetter Law, equal pay for women.
2: Yeah. Like,
0: those things are huge for us. Yeah. Gender equality, even for like gay rights, like all of those things are just, they're, they're a big deal just on... Um, the U.S. as a whole and the shift in just our culture as a whole. Yep.
1: I think that's for me. That's what speaks the biggest volumes for me is, you know, fair, the fair pay when it comes to women in the workplace. Um, I've worked retail for 19 years and, you know, being a manager in the district, I was sitting in a room with a bunch of men and I finally realized like I was one of the lowest paid You know what I mean? And we did the same job. I actually did the job better than them. But if it wasn't for her, I would never have a leg to stand on when I went to, you know, the higher ups like, hey, this is what I deserve. This is what I bring to the table. And I know this is what they're making without her. I wouldn't have been able to have that fight. I mean, that leg to stand on, you know, so I appreciate her fighting so hard for something as simple as that you know what I mean you think like okay I'm a woman you're a man we do the same job it should be the same exact pay and when reality hits that's not the case you know what I mean and we still see like Monique fighting for stuff like that you know like yeah, when yeah. we had a big deal with her trying to get her due diligence in the industry that that's she's in right so and I, I never understood why it's such a why it's even a debate or why it's even a conversation like the job is this in regards of male or female you gonna pay me what you owe. And that's just, that's something for me, what RBG did that I can actually, you know, be thankful for, especially the industry that I work in. And now they have no choice, but to give me what I'm worth, you know, and it nine times out of 10, it may be more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that, that to me spoke the biggest volumes, what she did. So may God rest her soul. And I think the, the person that fills her seat, if they don't have some of those beliefs and some of her drive and passion around the things she fought for, I'm not sure it's going to be as effective as she was. They will be mm-hmm. as effective as she was. I yeah. think
2: they're going to try to erase what, you know, especially with, rights. You know I'm saying? with abortion. That's one of the biggest things, you know, and I think with that, if, if they fill that seat with, you know, uh, someone that Trump appoints, it's going to be a wrap.
0: Yeah, such a visionary. Just imagine, like, you got to think, like, she was born in 1933. Like, yeah. this woman was trailblazing before the invention of pantyhose. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, before color TV. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, she was, somebody asked her a question when she made it to Supreme, when Clinton put her on the Sup- Supreme bench. Um, was she satisfied now that there was a woman there? She said, I'll be satisfied when all nine seats are filled with women. Yes. Like, just to even be able to think like that um as such you know early on mm-hmm. i mean to me that's just like wow it's a wild factor
2: and, and, I, and i think that's very important because a lot of times you know we get focused on the symbolic uh things you know changes or, or whatever but the changes really happens underneath you know when you got to put in the work and do the work and, and, and show that we're just not like with the removal of the statues i mean those things are symbolic things or whatever but now it start we got to start Tearing down, you saying these walls that divide us, you know, tearing down these things that stop women for from, you know, earning what they rightfully deserve, you That's know, right. in a male-dominated, you know, saying world. You know, and I know myself, I advocate a lot for women, you know, even with like something as simple as my male barbers for the last few years have been female barbers because I want to support them in the male-dominated business. And there are a lot of dope women out there that have the skills, you know saying just as much as the men do as well, you know? So- If not better. Huh?
1: If not better (laughs) at the job. Absolutely. And I think I commend her for even saying, I won't be satisfied until all of these seats are filled with women. You know what I'm saying? It takes a special type of person to be able to speak up in a room full of men and say that. You know what I mean? So just her to have the courage to be in a room with all these men in a position of power and just say, you know what, like, this is who I'm rooting for. And that's just on that. Right. You know what I mean. And I think that right there speaks volumes as well about her character. So,
2: yes. So shout out and bless us uh, to uh, RBG. Um, so we gonna keep it in politics. Seneca, you have sent us, uh, uh, and we apologize. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't watch the uh, video, but it was something about um, Senator uh, Kamala Harris. Um, speak to uh, speak to us a little bit about that.
0: So I sent you guys a video, um, it was a YouTube video that uh, it was an interview with a lady named Cherie Peoples. Mm-hmm. And um, in this interview, Cherie is explaining what happened to her. Okay, so Kamala, I believe, was district attorney mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. San Francisco at one point. Um, yeah. And there was a law that she had advocated for. It was actually you know, something that she had, I guess, her, and her, her team had come up with. Um, so the crime rate was up in San Francisco. And they were trying to think of ways to, to decrease that. And they realized when they had did the research that a majority of the crime committed in San Francisco were by... Um, uh, People under 25 who had not um, received high school diplomas. Okay. So, you know, and I get this, I'm gonna tell you right now, I, I get the initial um, incentive to do this, you know. So, okay, their idea was okay, so in order to get the crime rate to decrease, we're going to put this into effect where um, this truancy policy, so that if kids are missing school, um, parents would get a fine, be subject to a, a really high fine. I think it was $2,500 and up to 30 days in jail something like
2: that. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, in efforts to decrease the truancy um, in San Francisco in order to increase graduation rates and, of course, decrease the crime rate. Okay. All right. Well, they, they did this. They put this policy into effect and what they failed to do was to fill all the loopholes, right? So what happened was all of these poor mothers, poor black moms who were getting government assistance or you know who came from poor, impoverished communities, they were now getting fined and arrested. So let me tell you what this ultimately led to. You take you go into a single, you know, black mom's home by, you know, in large numbers if they're on government assistance, now you're putting a record on them. So now they can't have their government assistance anymore. There goes their food stamps, there goes their title 20, there goes their housing vouchers. Now the homeless rate goes up, which also means the foster, um, what do you call it? Um, foster system. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, that, that rate increases, right? Because so now all these children are become, are getting kicked out of their homes. They don't have what they need to thrive. So now they're getting put into the foster care, which is actually more dollars for the city. So I don't know, maybe that was planned, I don't know. But um, this is what's happening. And what Sheree is talking about, she says, hey, they came, she was actually had just had a baby. She had just gotten home from the hospital from having her baby. And the day after she got home or something like that, after she gotten home from having her baby, they come and knock on her door and they tell her they have a warrant for her arrest because her daughter had missed um, so many days of school. I think it was like 20. So if it was over uh, 20 days, then you were subject to, be, to get this fine and or jail. Okay. So she said, no, I, I'm not getting arrested because my daughter's missed 20 days of school. My daughter has an IEP. And my daughter also has sickle cell anemia, which puts her in the hospital a lot. She's in the hospital right now as we speak and the school knows about this. We have a plan in place, you know, this is, this is not happening. Well, but they didn't have any, um, any, um, what do you call it? Anything in place to say, okay, there, there could be some barriers and right. you know, this, uh, this doesn't count. So does she end up getting arrested anyway and spending a number of days in jail after just having a baby. Because her daughter had sickle cell anemia and had spent much of her school days in the hospital, and so it was an outrage just in that city. Of you know, she wasn't for for black people. You know, there's also some other things that with you know with men in prison and things like that. But when it came to the single moms and poor families, you know, they were saying, "Hey, she's not for us. She's trying to put us away, take us from our families, take us from our kids." So
2: do you so my thing is this uh, and been and working in the schools uh, and seeing these things head on, who do you hold responsible, you know, because I feel like when kids are missing, you know, a ton of, ton of school and who do you hold responsible? Like, is, is it OK, camp? so here's the
0: thing. Here's what I feel like should have happened. We, why, the question of why should have been asked, not let's just do this to fix it. But, you know, there are so many programs even in our city where, you know, well, why are the kids missing school? Do we have teen parents who don't have babysitters? or teen parents that have the household and having to work? Are they having to feed the household? Like, why are these kids missing school? Like, let's find out why and help put programs in place mm-hmm. to, to help teens and their parents be able to thrive and so that they they can go to school, not just, hey, we'll just put them in jail and give them
1: $2,500 fines, that we know they can't pay and that's it. I think, too, it's hard to say who do you hold accountable because I think in these situations, every situation is going to be different. You know what I mean? You have some parents that are under the impression that their children are in school. You know what I mean? Then you have some parents that are at work. And they don't have somebody to make sure the kids get off the school, you know what I mean? They're just hoping and praying that the the, the values that they're instilling in their children are actually working, you know what I mean? So I think it's hard to pinpoint the why as these kids are missing school, because let's be honest, like as a child, I was never a school skipper. That was never my thing. But I do know a lot of people where their mom was under the impression that they were in school. They had never ever, they got dropped off by the bus and everything, but then their homies came and picked them up, and then they, you know what I mean, went on about their way. So I think it's hard to pinpoint as to why these kids aren't going to school, but on the flip side, the parents that aren't checking in or, you know, following up with teachers at parent-teacher conference and things of that nature, I think it needs to be more of that, because then it's not a shock at the end of the year when your kid failed due
2: to attendance. Right, absolutely. You see what
1: I'm saying? So I do think it needs to be more involvement. But on the flip side, playing devil's advocate here, I know it was a couple of times that parent-teacher conference, like my aunt had to come. You know what I mean? Because my mom and my dad were both at work. They worked afternoons. That's what they had to do. So they weren't able to go, you know what I mean, to parent-teacher conference and that thing. But my mom did send someone in her place.
2: So you don't think as a parent, you know, and that these are patterns that you should know where your child is at all times, I
1: mean, I, yeah, but again, I'm not a parent. Seneca is probably a parent and she could probably speak to her child can tell her she is at 4232 right. Bayberry Drive and she on Main Street. You see what I'm right. saying? So like, it's right. hard to, you know, kind of keep up with these kids nowadays. I, I'm not going to say I think you, you can't, but it's hard. I think you're going to get some of that. But not in a
0: excessive numbers. Like you're going to get those who mm-hmm. skip and you know whatever. But as a former educator and school teacher of high school students, I had a lot of kids who missed school because of work.
1: I mean, mm-hmm. wait, you mean the kids had a job to go to? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I don't. But lot see, that's kids. against the law. No. Not once you're of a certain age. Let me no. tell you. And I worked at a charter school, one of those dropout recovery schools where you could be in school up until your 21st, well, 22nd birthday. And I had a lot of students who like, I got to work. Um, can you give me my work? Or just miss, I'm like, why are you missing class? Oh, I had to work. I had to, you know, whatever. So there are circumstances that in the poor communities that we got to pay attention to. You know, where the whole house. So you see these communities where, especially in like Nepali communities and our Arabic communities, where the whole family, they own a store and everybody's there, even the kids. The Chinese restaurants, you see the kids in the restaurants working too. Like there's plenty, I think, I guess I'll just go back and say, you know, I think we just need to do a little bit more of a due diligence by digging and finding out the reasons why. We're going to get our... um, Our children who are just going to be are are constant skippers, and they are not going to pay attention, and they don't care. But there's a large number of kids who there's other things going on in the home.
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah,
0: absolutely. There's a lot
2: of kids that have to step up, and I deal with them, you know, every day where these kids are taking responsibilities of the parents, they're filling in the gaps, taking care of their younger siblings. Yep, I mean, it's a lot, you know, and so, you know, since we're talking about that, like, I remember one time I had a 12 year old and I mean, I think her sister probably, she was probably 13 and then the other the younger sister was eight and then the other one was probably six and they were coming to school late every day. And we were like, why are they coming to school late every day? Well, they were stopping at McDonald's to take baths because they didn't have no running water. And, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of times, you know, a lot of these kids, they're in school damn, hungry, Mm-hmm. They're coming from an abusive household, you know, and Mondays and Fridays used to be, like, the worst days for kids because, one, it was Friday, so they were going home to no food, no lights, and there might have been an abusive parent there, so they were acting out. They didn't want to go home, and then Monday when they come back, they just went through all of that, you mm-hmm. know, and then you're asking the kid, you know, to sit, you know, and learn, these kids got other things on their mind. You, yeah. know, you got kids that are really dealing with adult problems and taking care of a whole household. They're not really listening to authority because they're an authority at home. Yeah.
1: Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we've seen a lot of a yeah. spike in that. It's outrageous, but it's not. It's real. Yeah. yeah. And I think we've seen a spike in that during this pandemic. You know what I mean? Like, um, I've I've seen a couple. I know one personally where, you know, a child called a friend of mine and they were like, can I come stay with you? Because, you know, the parent is an alcoholic and once they start drinking, you know, they want to fight the kid and it like really shed some light on it for me like, well, damn, you didn't see it this much because they were in school during that time. You know what I mean? Now they're at home between those hours and the kids getting double the abuse. You know what yeah. I mean? Because they're home all day and now they're annoying, quote unquote, their parent, which is also setting them off or whatever. So, again, you never know what these children are going home to or dealing with at home. And I think it's unfair mm-hmm. the stress that these kids have to bear because they should be worried about kids stuff, like what color slime they want or, yeah. you know, the lightning yeah. books they're going to catch outside. Like not how the light bills going to get paid. That's not their responsibility, you know, while they're under our roofs? So it does suck and you don't know anybody's story and I think that sometimes the government is willing to take kids away before they find the root of the problem like all you might have to do is just send some help into that household and that might just solve the problem you know what I mean like the mom might not know she might need some parenting classes or the father might need some yeah. you know father classes or whatever the case may be but so quick to be like oh they bad parents we are gonna shun them off and that's really fucked up. You know what I mean? Because nobody's, they don't have nobody to turn to, just like those kids don't have nobody to turn to. So it's like, what do you do in these situations? Who? Because the kids are losing. The kids are losing, and they're not learning anything. They're not. They're going to school to get away from their parents. You know what I mean? For a peace of mind, some of these kids. They ain't focused.
2: Yeah. Not fair. So, so, let me ask you something. You know, with everything going on, your kids in school, or they virtual? Learning? So,
1: my one of my
0: daughter who's nine she's on cohort so she goes to school Mondays and tuesdays and then she's home for the rest of the week and then my daughter who's a senior is home until columbus brings them back in october
2: how's that going like is it working
0: so i personally i like it i know a lot of parents don't so i'm probably one of the very few um but as a former educator it's okay for me because i'm able to kind of go in and see everything and i get it um but i know that Parents aren't, they're not, they're, you know, they're, this is their first time having to really teach their kids or help their kids get through it. And for the elementary kids, a parent has to be present with them. And so I'm, I can only imagine how difficult that is for parents who have to be at work and then find somebody to be present with their children at home while they're Zooming. Um, and then with the Zoom as well, there's been so many Zoom bombs that the kids are not really able to really get to learning because there's too busy sexual predators coming into the room showing porn. On the
2: Zooms.
0: What? Oh, you haven't heard? Yeah, that's been a thing. I've seen that. Oh no. Nah.
2: But but I think with Zoom. Women, I... these kids are giving out the passcodes and. The oh, world? these
0: kids are so smart. They done they done hacked into the whole Zoom system and they. <laughs> you got people who don't even go to the school who are coming into different Zoom classes. Um, my aunt who works at one of the Columbus public schools said she had a whole grown man in her Zoom.
2: Like, Yo, I did Art speak about this or whatever on uh, Ken Doctor the pie about one of the kids coming in or whatever? He didn't even go to the school and was cussing out the teacher?
1: Something like that. But oh. I, I think, too, with, with the Zoom, what I don't understand with the whole virtual learning, like, okay, if COVID didn't exist, the kids would be in school between, like, eight and three. I, I'm just making up times, okay? Eight, eight to three. My thing is, why aren't these kids on zoom between those hours you understand what i'm saying
2: they are
1: no not a lot of i know some kids literally just got to turn work in by a certain time like some of the they, high school kids.
2: yes there are some that's like that there's different ones but mm-hmm. i know kids that are actually in school from the like from sun not sun up to sundown but it <laughs> <They> should
1: <laughs> be though that should be across no my
0: daughter the log on at 7:30 for her class right. so when i said When I looked at the Zoom, all the students are in the class. They don't have to show their face, but you can see their names and they're all there. Um, And so they're in class and they're like, the class slots are on like 40 minutes. And then you get off that Zoom and you go into the next Zoom with the next teacher. Um, it's just what was happening Was I said, you can't even, you can barely get kids to come to class when they're in school for real. Now they're coming to all kinds of zoom classes. (laughs) I mean, but that's
1: how it should be. Like these kids, I feel like have too much leniency right now with the pandemic. Like, I mean, you got some kids, like, I'm going to be honest. My nephew literally was playing the teacher. Like he was stuck like he was frozen frozen yeah so like he like I ain't feel like it you know what I mean so I just kept acting like I'm stuck and then hit in and said I couldn't reconnect all because he's at home so if he look around and he see like oh I know in my room I got this like toy that I can't wait to play with he pretended he was stuck logged out of class wouldn't start playing but you have to understand these kids are at home and they know that so mm-hmm. it's hard for them to focus in this capacity but like I know some kids like she go to work it's like a girl that's a senior right now she go to work every day from eleven to seven long as she turn her work in by noon she's cool so but it's like mm-hmm. are you really learning anything if somebody just sending you something you lost really bad
0: for the kindergartners who are starting Man. school this year Man. who had to come into school this way I so.
1: mean I mean that The book bags. Have you seen the kids coming out with their book bags? They're so heavy because they can't leave anything at at school. They got to take all their books home with them. So these little kids with these big old book bags, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not fair. But it's like, what else can you do? Some people refuse to send their kids to school. I would be one of them. My kid ain't going. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, my kid would not go during a pandemic. But it's like, what do you do? Some people don't have that luxury for their kid to stay at home. You know, so like, what's the alternative to this pandemic? Because do you really think the kids are learning?
2: And and, and I I agree, I I agree. I mean, you know, it's, I I hate to be cliche about it, but it is unprecedented times, you know, and um, I guess parents are trying to make adjustments, teachers are trying to make adjustments as well. And uh, I know it's a difficult thing for the kids to be focused, you know, because some kids need that hands-on learning experience as well, so. Facts. Facts. Seneca, you had a, a, another article that you wanted to share with us as well. Sure, um, to, to bring that up, or are you, you ready for that? I am. So um, today, you know, I just wanted to basically, you know, this cel- to celebrate, you know, uh, women, to talk about women, um, I think that is very important, uh, especially with a lot of things that's going on um, in the news, you know, um, our first, you know, uh, running uh, vice, vice president, president. Uh, Kamala Harris. Um, we have the death of RBG. And then there's a lot of other things that's going on, you know, too. You know, there's women that's out here doing some incredible things uh, as well as in politics, business, entertainment, real life, you know. So we just want to give an ode to women and, and even talk about relationships, you know. So that's going to, we're going to get into that in a little bit. Let's, I can't
0: wait.
2: Uh, let's get I into this article um, that you had shared about the women receiving a thousand dollars a month during their pregnancy in San Francisco. Yeah,
0: Sanford,
2: again, back to San Francisco. And, 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 and this so remind so i I read the article too. And this is just not a San Francisco. Well, this part is a San Francisco thing, but there are some other things too that I want to get into that's just not in San Francisco, but more of okay. a nationwide thing. So The article
0: was Black uh, Pacific Islander women get $1,000 a month during their pregnancy. So I was like, oh, what is that all about? But I went ahead and read the article. And basically, they are um, doing this thing. Mayor London Breed introduced the Abundant Birth Project, which will give a basic income supplement to 150 Black and Pacific Islander women during pregnancy, they'll get a thousand dollars a month through their pregnancy for the first six months of postpartum. Um, this goal is to provide supplement for up to two years post preg- pregnancy. Um, so, just reading this, and you know, I spoke to Mo briefly about it. Is that
2: thousand dollars weekly? I don't uh, monthly. Monthly, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm.
0: And so he was like, "Hey, you know, that's good. It's a come up. You know, at least it's something." And I thought. That was like the total opposite of the way I took it. And yes, it's meant to help black and Pacific Islander women during their pre- uh, pregnancy because if they were saying in the article, you know, a lot of times they are um, caught in the gaps when it comes to health care. So this was just <laughs> a supplement to help them get better health care. And I thought, bullshit this yeah. reminds me of brianna taylor pay the family you know? what the, pay the fuck wait pay, us, pay black women and brown women a thousand dollars a month to shut up because the health care that you're giving us sucks so- i thought i put a um i put a, a facebook post uh that said, um, what was it, mother
2: So the reason why I said this because I I feel as though they're recognizing that their uh, the Black and Pacific Islander mother suffer uh, uh, a desperate health impact, you know, during pregnancy. Mm-hmm.
1: So instead of giving them a thousand dollars, why not go sit down and change the real issue?
2: And so, so, no. So, okay. So, yes. I'm like, huh? No, I'm I'm agreeing. You're absolutely right, and that's why I say that is more of a bigger problem nationwide. And we can speak on why you know the birth, the mortality rate for infants is high in our community. Double the rate of white women. Absolutely.
0: So here's the thing. Okay, this this post that I put up it says doctors are to black women what police are for black men. Mm. I put that post up because Mm. I'm gonna tell y'all real quick about an experience I had just a year ago. My son is one. When I went into the hospital... Okay, so let me just say this. I had a placenta abruption with my son. And what that means is that um, your placenta breaks apart. It it can be fatal for mom and the baby Mm -hmm. because you're going to hemorrhage, bleed out. All that kinds of things can happen. I went into the hospital. I went into labor and I noticed that I started bleeding. So I went to the, I'm not going to even say what hospital is as much as I want to, but I went to the hospital because I knew, now this is my, this is my, my first go around. It's my third kid. So I know how it feels to be in labor. Right. I'm 37 weeks. So I go to the hospital. I said, I'm 37 weeks pregnant. My contractions are about five, four minutes apart. Now I'm in labor. I get up to the, to the, the room, the triage room. They hook me up. And what happened for me is that I wasn't progressing with my dilating. I wasn't dilating past two centimeters, Mm. nor had my water breaking. Well, I guess the new rule here is if you go in and you have a baby and your water doesn't break or you don't progress in dilating, you get sent home. Okay, that's the new rule. Even though I have gone through two sets of sheets in blood, I said, "You want to do an ultrasound on me?" No, oh. you're too far alone to need an ultrasound." She said, "Mom, this. she said, "Mom, you're going to have a baby this week, just not tonight. baby's not ready to come yet." Oh I said, I cannot leave this hospital. This baby is coming." They wrote my discharge papers. Oh my God. Let me tell you something. The doctor came in. So right when they wrote my discharge papers, I was sitting on the floor in a pool of blood, crying, trying to put my pants on. Couldn't because there was so much blood coming out in chunks. Mm. Mm. And I'm trying to get dressed. I'm crying. I said, we're leaving here. And look, I'll I'll tell you what hospital I said I was going to. I said, we're leaving here and we're going to Riverside. Because I said, I'm going to get some good care. I'm leaving Mm. this hospital and I'm going to Riverside. The So in that time at 7 a.m., it's a shift change for the hospitals. That means the old doctors and nurses are leaving. The new ones are coming in. So a new doctor came in to give me my discharge papers. He had them in his hand. He looked at the bed. He looked at me on the floor in a pool of blood. He said, oh, I thought I was doing a discharge. Here are the papers right here. And my husband who was there said the bleeding won't stop, but they're telling us that the baby's not coming, so we got to go home and they gave us some pads. And he looked at the bed and me, he said, hold on please, walk out. I found out much later that he was actually a director in the maternity unit. Mm. But within two minutes, I had a whole slew of nurses coming in. All of a sudden, I was getting the ultrasound that I had been asking for. I was signing papers. Evidently, if you're, 30, if you're not 39 weeks pregnant and you don't have a change, a shift, so you're not dilating or you're not um, your water hasn't broken, then it means you're not in labor. If, if you're not 39 weeks, but because I was 37 weeks and five days, I must have not have been having a baby. I kid you not. They took me into labor and delivery, and on my baby's own came four hours later.
2: So mm. Let me ask you this. I mean that I'm I'm sorry that you had to experience I that. It was crazy. But so <laughs> so this because this is a again. this could And I know. So this is a, a huge issue, you know, in our community. Can I ask you a personal question? About, what was your, I guess, financial situation? Because the reason why I'm asking that is yeah. because depending on, you know, what you, what your insurance looked like or whatever, mm-hmm. that's how they're gonna treat you. I've been in situations where I okay. have no insurance. It's, but really it's, it
0: really is. I agree. It mm-hmm. can be based on your insurance because I have been that mom that was on Medicaid before. Now. You know, for, fortunately, this time around, I wasn't. I had private insurance through my job and everything was paid for. We, you know, we didn't have no balances or nothing like that. Mm. You know, here's the thing. I went in to have my baby. I had them four hours lady, later, even after. So my baby had a shoulder dystocia, which means when a baby has shoulder dystocia, they get stuck in your uterus. So one of the nurses jumped on me. And when she jumped on me, she punctured my son's lung and he what? came out dead.
1: Okay. Hold on. Calm the
0: fuck out. What do yes, you girl. mean the nurse jumped on you? Yes. Girl, what, what does well, that I even I tell what? you, it was a horrific situation to the thousandth power. When my son came out, so ch- um, at this particular hospital, the ICU came down for baby. I'm laying there, helpless, hemorrhaging myself. And my baby, I didn't have it, heard a cry. Let me tell you something, 12 minutes after you just had a baby and you don't hear nothing, you see a slew of doctors working on them, you can't see your child. From the moment he came out, the, I heard the doctor say, um, call such and such. And she passed my gray child over. And, I, and I'm looking, I was like, what's going on? She said, um, we've got a little bit of a situation. We're going to handle it.
1: So that's what I they told up, you?
0: The doctor say, Finally, I heard
1: her say, I have 30% breath. I have 30% lung something. I'm like, oh, so wait a minute. Let me stop baby. you real quick. Let me stop you real quick. So, you mean to tell me that you're in the hospital, you delivered a child, you have no, you heard no crying, no nothing, and these doctors and nurses weren't communicating with you about your
0: child no. that
2: you just delivered? And the reason
1: why he wasn't breathing because
0: his lung was punctured because she jumped on us. And you didn't sue the
2: hell
1: out of them? Okay. I was about to say, I don't understand, like, how you don't own that hospital. Because well, evidently they're allowed to do that. They're no. allowed to do
0: whatever they can do to get the baby out.
1: Okay, so I mean, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, change gears or nothing. But I, I preach I mean, that's a lot it. to yeah. to my friends, you know, doulas and midwives that look like you are so important. Like yeah. oh, and this is one of the reasons doulas, why
2: doulas are now on the rise.
1: They yeah. they are, and like my girlfriend's in training to become a doula. And, you know, a midwife and all that. But it's not just midwives and doulas. I'm talking Black women that yeah. are midwives and doulas. Okay, yeah. because at the end of the day, uh, no, I'm not saying all white people are racist, but we see what they do to us in these hospitals. So, like, Black women, try to change your thought process on delivering your child yeah. if you can. Like, research midwives. It Research the... Um, infant mortality rate amongst our community like she said it was double so me I've always said I'm not having a baby in a hospital you know what I'm saying if I ever get blessed yeah. to have the opportunity to have a child um I would never do it in a hospital that you know experience was dreadful and I agree with you yeah I've seen so many women that are dread have so many dreadful experiences on the most precious experience it should be right
2: and you know what's crazy is, you know, I, I was blind to this, I guess, a few years ago. I didn't know that the mortality rate was as high, you know, for babies, one, and for right. mothers during pregnancy. My first experience, and this might sound crazy to y'all, but I had never known nobody to die. It was an Aaron Hall video. I oh, miss yeah, you.
0: I miss you. That oh, was yeah. the
2: only experience that I know that women are, somebody actually died, but I've never heard anything like this, but then as I started getting more into politics and you know learning about things, this was this is like a it's real, real issue it's in real. our community because
0: no you one know? wanted to hear me. I kept saying something's wrong, something's not right. I'm having this baby, and all no, you're not, mom. Maybe sometime this week, but not tonight.
1: Mm. Oh. And just think about how many women have lost their baby over yeah. situations like that when they could have saved their child. Their child, you know what I mean. Like, and I think that's the biggest thing for me is the mental part of it. You know, so many women struggle. Like, I'm a woman that's struggled multiple miscarriages. You know what I mean? And that's, like, one of the craziest, most hurtful feelings. You blame yourself. You know what I mean? You feel like you. it just changes your entire mindset. You mm-hmm. know, once you lose a child, no matter how far along you were or if you just got pregnant, it doesn't matter. So it's, like, we got to start reading up on doctors and immortality rates and stuff like that because it's affecting us and it's affecting us in large numbers and yeah. especially these young mothers like start talking to them about that like encourage them to reach out to doulas or midwives and just get the education from somebody that actually gives a damn about them.
2: Right. right. That's Absolutely. that's what it is. Okay. And
0: I would say even just um if you're not gonna go the midwife route or the doula route supporting black OBGYNs. Yes. Doctors who are gonna listen to you.
2: Right. It's but a I
0: lot out
1: like there. The whole time, no one was hearing me.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That's sad. I'm sorry you had to go through that, Seneca, for real.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we're going to keep it moving here. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to touch on a little bit about uh, Cardi B and Offset's divorce. You know, there's a lot of things going around about that. I mean, you, you hit to it, right?
1: I am. Ow. <laughs> you
2: know, I, I, Ow. I find it very interesting that everybody has their opinion.
1: Oh my God. What's yours, Mo?
2: So I was just telling uh, Lauren earlier today or yesterday, I was talking about how Cardi B, to me, is like the epitome of what, everything that you probably want. You know, she, she I mean, she talked a good game about the sex game. You're saying she's making her own money. She's ambitious. you saying, you know, she has a lot of these things going for her. But at the end of the day, it's still not enough. All right, you
0: ain't got get, no damn wop if you're getting a
2: divorce. To keep her husband, you're saying, satisfied or at home.
0: <laughs>
1: see, and see, and okay, then I caught the cool it. ass L that swoop in. But here's steak. the thing like, you got a man who at
0: that time was 28 years old, who, I mean, he married a stripper. Like, what you think he was going to do? You thought that you was going to marry a stripper and be faithful and was going to be a happy? Come on now.
2: I mean, and I told L too. I said, like, you know, a guy like him, you know, with money and power, women love that. You know what I'm saying? And it's very hard for a person like that to be faithful.
1: No, it's not hard. Like, let, me, let me tell you that. I just had this conversation.
2: What you mean? <laughs> when you got women, like, you know, throwing your stuff, any city you go to, anywhere you go, women throwing themselves at you,
0: well, like she said, she said, I don't cook and I don't clean. Let me tell you how I got Okay, this. okay, forget but, all of that. Hold on. Forget all but of that. Let's better
1: start cooking and cleaning now. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to put it to you like this. You got, and sorry to my girl, but you got the Rashidas of the world and mm-hmm. you got the Cardi B's of the world, okay? Mm-hmm. And I think Cardi is getting dragged because she said enough is enough and she walking away from that no good ninja. It's nothing else to say. It's not about what Cardi wasn't doing. It's the shit that Offset chooses to do. So Cardi could have been cooking, cleaning, doing this and that, and that goes to show, I just told you this, Mo. I believe my homie put it to me like this. He said, all men cheat. Okay, and I'm like, damn, I don't think all men cheat. And he said, I'm going to put it to you like this. It can be a girl that's sliding your inbox, and you got a wife or a girlfriend, whatever, right? You literally will respond to that inbox, talk just enough to open the door on some just in case it don't work out with my girlfriend. He mm-hmm. like, that's cheating because if you was really faithful to your wife, you would have left her on red. She would have never got a response. You understand what I'm saying? But what men do is crack the door just a little bit. Yeah. And then that woman slide in who has no loyalty to your wife or your girlfriend. Like, that's, let's be honest. When, when yeah. you're dating somebody, the outside world doesn't owe you shit. You two owe each other that, right? right? That's that's just how it is. That's how I think. That's just not, you know, I, I
2: feel like all women know that. Every men and women, they know that they have somebody out there. They Correct. know. Correct.
1: Correct. I, mean, I think people cheat. I, I'm not even going to put it as a man or a woman thing.
2: So listen, you're. Married. I think
1: people cheat. No,
2: Black not, women I, don't I, cheat. No, I'm not <laughs> you, listen, I'm not even, No, I'm not even saying that you cheat. What I'm saying is. You know that you have some options out there. You know what guys that like you, right? Absolutely. See? I I think that's for everybody.
1: But again, like, you have to know how to handle that temptation. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know it's people out there that actually like me. You know what I'm saying? I know it's dude that want to, you know, take me out, whatever, whatever, whatever. But at the end of the day, I also know... If I'm involved with a significant other, there's, there's boundaries and there's but, limits and
2: that I, I, I have to follow. But here's the
1: saying. thing. Okay, let's,
0: let's back up for a second. You know what I'm saying? So- it's your due diligence in your marriage before you get married to establish what type of marriage we're going to have. Um, like, I'll bring up Will and Jada. They decided they were going to have an open marriage. So that for them, was, that is what was going to make their marriage work. Now I don't know what Cardi B and offset with their with their terms of their marriage what that was all about. I do know that you know him cheating on her upset her the first time she left. She decided to go back. I don't know what happened this second time, but It looks like they didn't establish the terms of their marriage.
1: Okay, I'm about to play devil's advocate here, and I'm probably going to get judged. Let's be honest. To me, there is a difference between the Cardi situation and the Will and Jada situation. Because everybody like, oh, y'all women were screaming entanglement, this, that, and the third. Jada and both Will both stated they were at a point in their relationship where they both thought they were done and they moved out of the house and they were legally separated, right? They both yeah. said that, that they were separated. When you separated in a marriage, that means we broken up, we just still got this contract between us that we gotta get settled. That means you decided you can go your way, I can go my way, we could do whatever we want because we are not together, right? That's right. what separated mean. Right. That's the difference between Will and Jada and Cardi B and Offset jada did not technically cheat on her husband she did will didn't. even said that she didn't they separated yeah i
2: don't, I don't like
1: think about how I many think mean, about how many people by, are separated with whole new <laughs> yeah,
2: because, yeah, exactly
1: yeah, yeah. by their arrangement she did not yeah. but think about how many people are separated with whole new lives they live with a woman they got yeah. kids by other women like when you years. that's what i'm saying yeah. so you can't blame what jada did because Technically, she wasn't with her husband. Offset knew damn well him and Cardi B were a husband and wife, and he chose not only to cheat, but he had another girlfriend. Let's talk about that's the difference. He wasn't just fucking chicks. He had girlfriends on the side. The one chick did a whole interview crying. Oh, I feel so bad. No, you don't, You knew what you was doing. So at this point, I have no sympathy for a dude like Offset. I don't, and I commend Cardi for walking the way. Do you have sympathy for
0: Cardi going back to him,
1: knowing that he was a cheater? Let me tell you something. No, I was with a dude for seven years, and he cheated 51,000, 48, 62 million times. And I went back 56, 55, 80 million times. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I don't judge people in their situation, because everybody has a breaking point. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. What's your breaking point? It may not be mine. I know some women they want and done. I wish I was that woman. I ain't her. You know what I'm saying? Me? I give too many chances. But shit, that's why I tell people you can't judge nobody's relationship. You just can't because everybody got different breaking points. And I come in, Cardi, hand clap, by offset. And now you miss your granny. Bye. Boy bye.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: By offset. Bye. What do you
2: think about this, Dr. Dre and his uh wife's uh, legal battle with this uh, man? Oh, Let me tell you something about that.
0: <laughs> Let me tell you something about that second place. This woman said, "I own half the rights to this man's name, <laughs> okay, and the chronic." I'm wow. like, "Oh, goddamn!" <laughs> he said she that's, owned half the chronic.
1: That's wild. You mean 1992 chronic? <laughs> You, you know what I'm saying? And if that's the case, see, this is my thing, and I spoke on this before. Y'all with these men with millions of dollars. Dr. Dre, a billionaire, right? Or Not close a billionaire. to it. Okay, right? My thing is, why, why are you asking this man for money? I never understood that. When you walk away, come on, man, in the beginning of these relationships, why are y'all putting yourselves in positions to have to Ask this man for some money if y'all happen to get divorced. Why? Spouse like,
0: support. I, so, in divorces. Is, but it shouldn't so, even be. No, so, and there
2: listen, was a prenup too. My thing is this. That's I the be,
0: first mistake. You know, it's a prenup also.
2: <laughs> I, believe, I believe this. If a woman helps you obtain these things, you know, just like Jeff Bezos' wife, when they separated, I, you know what? Yeah, she deserves all of that because she was there from the ground up. She helped that man build it up. No, you, you don't agree? My thing oh, is. My That's thing a, is.
0: There's so much partnership in marriage. Right.
2: You it is. But put
1: your baby. name on something where you don't have to ask. Well, That's so she my was point. saying her name
0: was on it, but that he secretly put it into another account. She said that he illegally and secretly transferred the thing to it. The uh, white Mrs. The Nicole Young, I believe right. her name is.
2: So this is another thing. So TMG released too that she has stolen uh or taken out money out of a business account. So she, she did some embezzlement, you know mm. saying, and some things too, you know. However, I feel as though like when you were talking about the whole Dr. Dre name, taking the chronic, you know saying, and all of that, like, come on, like uh-uh. that's too far. It, yeah.
1: I just don't understand how these women spend. So many she's years. Been married 24
2: years. But some people get allowance, though. It ain't like they're getting like you know. And I don't know exactly what she's been spending her money on, but I agree with you. If I even if I get an allowance,
1: allowance.
2: <laughs> a allowance, to the side. It's I can't so, imagine. I, that
1: I, 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 like I feel
0: that, that whatever they achieved together while they were married for the 24 years they were married, then yeah, it should be cut in half. But the what she's asking for, you know, half the rights to his name. He had his name since the '80s. Yeah. I mean, come on now. Gosh, yeah. The Chronic—they got married in 1994 or six, something like that. But The Chronic came out in '92. Like, how did you get half the rights to The
1: Chronic? Like, come on now. I guess, I guess I just—I I mean, I never was well. I mean, I never do well on these topics because I'm like, you was with this man for 24 years, and now you asking him for money. So you sat back and watched him flourish, and you didn't like oh i i feel you on that because i don't uh, you know what i'm saying like i don't understand because you with a billionaire you see him in the industry what are you good at He's able to put you in a position to carry out all of your dreams. I don't care if you want to be the next Vera Wang or the next Louis Vuitton. You have the person and the money and the financial stability to be able to do that. So why aren't these women doing that? And then now they want to go to court and be like, I want 20 million dollars.
2: Like there are some guys in that position though that want their women to stay home and that you know doing things like-
1: well, then that's 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 then then hey, that's this situation you gonna be in. i am not stay at home. I've never gonna be that woman. I can't. Mm.
2: Well, and,
1: I, and that's what I'm saying. Don't she have, isn't she like her portfolio kind of big? Yeah, I heard she was an attorney. So that's what, okay. And I it's thought gonna she had her own money. To see how
0: this plays out because they both have high profile lawyers to represent
2: them.
1: And you shouldn't even you need, need,
2: all need all of that. Get a little extra out of it. You're saying and try to milk them. Absolutely. You know, definitely gonna
1: try Go to for gold, baby. I mean, if that's the case, you might as well keep, you might as well stay where you at. We'll if that's gold, the case. We'll like, the silver. like, I'm so, sorry. I guess I just don't look at it like that.
2: I want to, you know, uh, continue this. Like I said, you know, this is kind of an episode to to women, you know, and and trying to just understand women. And I really want to get into our topic tonight and ask y'all a few questions. you know, saying talk about like relationships and uh, how do from a man's perspective, what do women want in a relationship? What do y'all look for? You know, (laughs) so, you know, Lauren being single, um, excuse me. Let me tell me telling my business. Because again, you know, we spend a lot of time on social media and we see people always going back and forth about men ain't shit, women ain't shit, all of these little banters or whatever. But at the end of the day, how do we love y'all? How do we communicate with y'all? What is it that women want and look for to satisfy them? It's like we're
0: Venus and Mars, huh? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, I mean,
0: so if I can just be blatantly honest, mm -hmm. before I met my husband, I ain't gonna front. I dated some Mm d-boys. I dated some dudes in the music industry. I dated some athletes. I dated a guy who played for the Cleveland Indians. I mean, I I did my thing. Um, When I met my husband, the one thing that he did, well, first off, he was one of the first guys that I dated after becoming a mother. And so after I became a mom, my whole vision of what I wanted to date, it shifted. And our very first date, he came over to the house and he knew I had a one-year-old. And, you know, we had talked about it on the phone or whatever. He came over and he brought diapers. I thought, damn, that was, that was nice. I didn't ask him for anything. He's like, I just thought you might, I just brought somebody. And it was game. I thought, thanks, babe. That was, that was what's up. And he continued to do little things like that throughout the relationship to help me want to stay around. And it wasn't the, like, the money and trips and all of that. It was just the little sincere things that he would do for me and my child that made me feel like I want to keep him around.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: so for, for me in that time, you know, after have just becoming a mom, it was him showing me that, you know, I'm trying to build with you. I'm trying to like bring some real shit to the game, right to the table, right here. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't about you know fucking or whatever else. He was like really on some. I'm trying to make you my my wife from the very beginning. He told me from the very beginning like you could be my
2: wife. So let me ask you this: you know you, how long you've been married?
0: I've been married 10 years this year. 10 years? And we were st- together six years before that.
2: Is he still doing those things to keep you or want you and? In- you know, make you feel wanted.
0: Sometimes, not all the time. I'm okay. not gonna say like, oh yeah, no, I, hell no. Um, when did that? Change? It gets dull. I would say after his mom, after his mom passed away, our relationship took a shift because he went through depression. Here's the thing: in marriage, you gotta understand that people change. You're gonna, you're ever changing, right? Mm-hmm. You're the Lauren that you, are, that you are today, the Mo that you are today, you're not going to be that same Lauren and Mo in five years. But when you're with somebody, this change happens while you are with someone. And so your, your partner has to go through that with you. And so it's just kind you know, when he went through this, this was a tumultuous time for him losing his mom. That was his best friend. so I had to, our relationship shifted a little bit because it took him into a deep depression. Mm -hmm. So um we just had to figure out how to navigate through that.
2: Mm. You did put a toll on your relationship. It did. It
0: did. It did.
2: Okay. Lauren, what about you? Uh what is it that you kind of, you know, look for um in a man?
1: Lord, I (laughs) listen, I I I'm gonna say this as a grown woman at 36. I have terrible taste in men. Um I I do, I have a type. And, um, she um, I can't stand you, Mo. I, I really can't. I like a certain type of guy that, um, I just need a guy like to be super, super into me. I hate a dude that tries to be gangster all the time. Like that drives me crazy. That drives me crazy. Like I'd rather see your soft side before your gangster side. But like, I just want somebody that literally takes the time to get to know and understand ill. L. Because it's so many layers of ale. you know what I'm saying? You got Lauren, you got cool ass ale. you got it's, it's different layers to me. So I just want a guy that's going to get to know me for who I am and accept that, speak life into me, that wants to build with me. Somebody that totally, totally that I can be. Like if I wake up in my breath thing, he still going to kiss me. Like, mm-hmm. or if I need my hair done, he's still like, you're beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. I can't honestly say at 36, I've never experienced that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, I just want somebody, I can just put the cards all up and just really just sit back, chill, build, make some money and be successful and trust each other. Like, I've never been able to trust a man. Like, I want to be able to look at my man and be like, okay, he mine. You know what I mean? And feel secure in that. And I've never experienced that. So I think right now that's why I'm taking my time with dating. So I can't find that. And it's not like, you know, when you first go on a job interview and you're telling them all these things you're going to do. And then once they get the job, you're like, what, what happened to the interview? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm not looking for an interview, dude. I'm actually looking for, you know, the real deal. And for me, I'm easy to, to get along with. I don't want for much. You don't gotta have a lot of money to date me. You just gotta be able to take care of us. You know what you I mean? You said you had
2: a type. So, what <laughs> makes you? What drive you to these types? Like, you, so you didn't ask? You didn't answer. What's your type?
1: Because I mean, you know, if your, they if they know, your, Elle, they know my type.
2: Reason. I ain't even trying to be funny. I'm just trying to figure out what's your type and what drives you to that type of person. Because you say you have horrible taste in men. I do. <laughs>
1: Well, what, what, so the horrible taste I'm trying he- not to say it. I'm trying because Mo, no. He just trying to, you know, tell the peoples.
2: No.
0: Okay, well, let's do this then. The, the men that you have dated in the past, what, other than cheating, what makes them so horrible?
1: I wouldn't say I make them horrible, but I think their profession drives Ooh. a wedge in between a relationship i feel like the profession that a lot of the guys okay i'm gonna just say this my mother asked me one time she said baby have you ever dated a man with a job Mm. i was 35 at the time okay and she said baby have you ever dated somebody with a job and this was my mother okay so like I, i i sat down like oh i'm embarrassed because the answer was no I'm not saying that these guys never had money or they never had stuff you know what I mean but did they have a quote
2: unquote quote job job?
1: you see what I'm saying like I've never dated a dude up until (laughs) the guy that gave me the orgasm that had a job you get what I'm saying like I was 35
2: so what again what attracts you to them what what
1: is it I don't know what I I can't really say what, because now I know what, why I shouldn't be. Because again, I was dating a dude that was in the streets or whatever. Now he's in prison and he was taken away from the relationship. You know what I mean? Because he was selling dope, got caught, and now he in federal penitentiary. So I think at that moment, I realized I'm not a woman cut out to ride out a prison sentence. I'm not hurt. understand what i'm saying like this is not my life because i was literally sick to my stomach i'm worried about him constantly you know what i mean is he okay in there and now i have to take care of everything myself he's no longer here to take care of things around the house or you know be the man of the house he he's not let
2: me let me ask you this because you said you 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 spoke about dr dre's wife and all of that and and starting something so if they were out there in the streets why? And I don't want you to think I'm faulting you or anything like that. No,
1: no. I, I mean, take that like money
2: and start something you're saying that's legit for them. You know what I'm saying? You know, like to keep them out of that trouble.
1: Right. And I, I think at the moment, they didn't want to hear what I was saying. Now, okay. now I'll be honest, a conversation that we had, this is a true story, a conversation that we had, he called home one time and he like, I was just sitting here thinking about, You talking to me about my shoe dreams, like, cause he's a shoe collector and he Mm -hmm. had, I'm talking probably 500 pair of retro shoes worth a lot of money. Right? So I'm like, why don't you take this and make it a business? You just got them in the closet. You ain't wearing them. You literally are just collecting this, turn this into a business. You a fashion dude. He wanted to start a clothing line. You know what I mean? Came up with the name, came up with all that, but he would never follow through. You could only push a person so much. You Understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying, and in the process, right. I was fulfilling starting my own dreams. So I right. at that point I had tunnel vision. Like I can't bring him with me. You know what I mean? If yeah, he don't want to come, I'm just gonna keep business. moving. They're
0: not business minded like that. And, but and, a lot of them
1: are, but that's the thing, a lot of them make the best businessmen because they know how to they know how to make money, deal money, flip money, make money time. work for them. A lot of these dudes' industries become some of the best businessmen you know what i'm saying but in in the same token i could no longer push him to do something he didn't want to do so at that point once prison came along you know i did my due due diligence of holding him up quote unquote and then it just got to a point like i'm not in prison do you understand what i'm saying because that's how it felt like i was moving how he moved like he you know when nine o'clock he (laughs) lights out i'm in the house and i'm like wait a minute time out So Mm -hmm. I knew at that point, this made me realize a lot of things. Do I love them any less? No. You know what I'm saying? Like, or do I judge people who date men in a penitentiary? Absolutely not. But at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, I know what I'm never going to do again because I now see what dating those type of men get me. So now Mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, I'm changing my thought process and the dude that go to work don't make him lame
2: you know right. what I'm saying just because you got a job so you know so I asked y'all so now I, I want to know we, we we get y'all we got y'all how do we maintain it like what is it how can we properly love y'all how do we properly communicate And sometimes you're saying I mean I got two different women here so your perspective Seneca, may be different than hers you know mm-hmm. or whatever what is it because we talked last week about uh love languages mm-hmm. Um, what is it that what I guess maintains like that healthy uh, relationship and that balance.
1: Never stop dating me. That's that's one of the, the easiest ways to put it without going into a rabbit hole. Like never stop dating me the same way, the same effort you put into getting me, keep that same energy on maintaining me and keeping me happy. Like if you was putting little notes on my car, or you know, the window before you left to go to work, continue that. I'm not a money girl. Like I love the little corny shit. Like I like when you like write a note and you going to work or you know what I'm saying? Like I miss you, have a dope day. Something as simple as that gonna make my entire day. So just keep things fresh, don't switch up. Like um, that's what happens if people get comfortable, like, oh, I got her now, fuck it. You know what I mean? And then they just, you know, they get comfortable. So never get comfortable.
2: Okay, never get comfortable don't stop dating you. What I, about you
0: I agree with what Lauren said, but like for me, one of the reasons why i couldn't continue to date a street dude is because i couldn't take the high highs and the low lows, like the instability um, for me that was just, it was just too much. you know um, I need stability
2: right.
0: I need somebody who's cool with coming home at night i like, I love the fact when my husband and I first date, started dating, he loved to just watch. We used to go to the Marquee and buy bootlegs. And <laughs> I don't God. know if y'all know about the, the marquee, marquee or not. Oh, my gosh. The
2: chicken <laughs> we, was I, incredible. Right. Was. We'd
0: go to, go to the Marquee, get some chicken, buy us a good bootleg. I used to be out there <laughs> on the porch with the bootleg movies. we get us something to drink, and we go back and we watch our bootleg. We used to let her watch the show Cheaters and, and just lay around, and it was cool. So, I mean, I just wanted the stability, like somebody who was cool with being home with me and just cool with just being around me and we was friends and that was my homie and we could make love and we could argue and bring it back. It was cool. So for me, that's what it was.
2: All right. um So
1: wait, no, 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 Mo. I know we're talking about women, but what do you think are some ways to keep a lady?
2: To keep a lady? Um... I think just paying attention to, you know, the things that she liked. um, Keeping things fresh, trying to, because sometimes we lose our way, you know, we get, we get comfortable, get complacent, you know, and we don't pursue, you know, them like we used to, you know, right. Um, So trying to keep things fresh, you know, uh, I I think is very important.
1: Do you, do you, do you think if, Is it important to pay attention to when your woman's changing? Do you notice, like, when you in a relationship, do you notice when your woman's not happy?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because when you're kicking it, if you really are in tune with that person, you would know from body language, from, you know, the speech or whatever. Uh You know, you can just get that presence and that feeling like, yo, something is off, something ain't right, you know. And I'm always, I'm the type of person, I'm always, yo, baby, you all right? You good? What's going on? You know what I'm saying? And I'm real big on energy. And if I feel like that energy is off, I'm questioning it. I'm asking what's going on. And then I'm going to do whatever I can to help out as well.
1: So what if it's not you? I think a lot of people automatically assume. No, no, no. I don't even want to say that. How do you feel when they say a relationship only matters? No, unhappiness in a relationship only matters when it's when. When it's the woman that's unhappy, do you agree with that?
2: No, I, I, because I think in a relationship, it's a partnership. It's a two way thing. Like it's just, it, it's not. It's not fair. I mean, because if the man is unhappy, then there can be hell too.
1: Okay, because I, I see that a lot coming from men, and they feel like when they're unhappy, it's just like, ah, we got to deal with it. You know, I've seen that. It's been trending. Mm-hmm. Like if you just look on social media, a lot of men feel like. It only becomes a problem when the woman is unhappy. Like, you don't.
2: Like, you just sweep things underneath the rug, you're saying a lot more. Why is that, though? Yeah. Because, um, you know, we're not really taught to deal with feelings and emotions and whatnot. You know what I mean? Like a woman. Or talk about it. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with it. Would you say if you were unhappy? Yeah, I, I, because my thing is this. I can't walk around my house. With tension. With tension and you know, eggshells and stuff like that. Like, my, that's my place of peace and happiness. And I'm supposed to feel like that's my escape from the world. And if I ain't got that, then we got an issue and a problem. We got to work this out.
1: Right. I'm a, I, yeah, because I'm a big fan. I don't care if we yelled and screamed all day. Come lay down. Come get your butt in the bed. Like, you're not about to go sleep at your boy house. You're not about to sleep on the couch. I mean, just come lay down. Like, I feel like every relationship, if y'all really love each other, shit's going to happen and shit's going to get rocky, but y'all still should be able to lay next to each other. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, my ex, he get mad. He used to block me for, like, three weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. Even when he went to prison, I would get emails like, this inmate has chosen to delete you. I used to be like, damn, my girl told me, you like on a trial base. Like, you know, you got a subscription period, like 30 days, you straight. and it's like, <laughs> <canceled>. <laughs> Like, you forgot to pay the bill, sis, we out. So that's why I asked that question, because I think that's important, too. Love me when Thank you're you. mad. Love me yeah, when yeah. you're mad, you know? So, mm-hmm. but that's just my take on it.
0: Speaking to what Lauren is saying, my grandparents always said don't get a king-size bed because it, it puts the gap between you guys when you go to bed. Hello. So, yeah, so... I'm getting me a twin. I'm getting a twin.
1: are forced to have to touch at night. I'm getting a twin, then, if that's the case. <laughs> I don't even want a queen. I'm getting a twin bed.
2: <laughs> I got so I got another question. Um, When it comes to providing, what does that look like for y'all? Because some people just think, monetarily, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, or whatever. Mm-mm. But what does providing mean in a relationship? Because, And I say this because a lot of men think, oh, I make the money. I make money. You're saying that's good enough. But it's not.
1: You got to provide me with peace. You got to provide me with stability, and stability is not money, meaning when I come home, I know I feel safe. I'm stable with the person that I'm, you know what I mean, that I'm with. I know if someone was to come in here, he's going to do everything to protect the kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's why I feel like my man should always walk in front of me so he can watch what's coming and I can watch what's coming from behind us. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of women don't understand that, but I feel like a man should leave because he's bigger he's he's a protector but providing to me is never about money like provide me with a peace of mind if I had a long day at work sit me down on the couch and even just rubbing my feet that's providing me a peace of mind and taking stress off my mind tell me about your day you Mm -hmm. never realize how big that goes like because some women we bottle up inside like we don't want to go home and keep talking about work but that's a big part of your day you see what Mm -hmm. I'm saying like and I had my ex used to tell me like man you always come home talk about work Nice to be like, but I was there for eight nine hours. This, that's where I've been all day. And now you ask me how my day was, that was my day.
2: So let me think- add, let me so you made a you you brought up something when you say lead. So again, in in a relationship, sometimes you have people who are weaker or stronger in certain areas. They, Correct. You mm-hmm. know, just because somebody is a male, just don't mean that they're automatically a leader. Correct. What if your women know how to lead and make better decisions than you do you know what I'm saying that's or where you the head
1: and I'm the neck you understand what I'm saying like you can be the head but I'm the neck think about it the head can't move without the neck yeah. that's kind of how I look at it like when I say lead like I mean men are put here on earth to lead that's your role like y'all are here to lead but, every, but I'm
2: just saying everybody ain't leaders though
1: you gotta then that that's that person's not for you for me A man has to be a leader to date me, especially because I'm an alpha female. He has to be. You get what I'm saying? Because I'm so dominant in a relationship that some people think that I'm trying to, you know, belittle their ass. So I feel like for me, that is important that a man is confident and can lead and knows how to be a leader. A lot of men, like you said, weren't taught to lead, never seen a leader. And so they just. I don't
2: think that you can teach somebody how to lead. It's just it's something that's innate. That mm,
1: I think um, you can. You
0: have to learn how to be husband. I, I do. Yeah. yeah. I think you can be taught how to there lead. There was a period in my marriage, the vulnerability that I'm going to give you, um, a few years back, well, two years into our marriage, we actually were going to go uh, and get a divorce, and um, part of that was because I felt unprotected in our marriage. I felt uncovered and. I felt like my husband wasn't um, protecting our home in a way where um, I felt like we started we stopped talking. I felt more like a roommate to him. Mm -hmm. Okay. We just come in, we do our thing, we're raising kids, and you know it. It got we got we were moving further and further apart, and it just got the tension that Mo was talking about. It became that in our home, and so when you say that that stability, that protection it definitely is all of that. And the piece where you have to feel covered. You have to feel like you're desired by your husband or wife. You have to feel like they see you. And when you lose that, oh my gosh, you can feel more alone in a marriage than you do
1: being single. That's where cheating happens. That's where a lot of people, because a lot of people aren't vocal about what they're unhappy about because they feel like their partner cannot handle it. You know what I mean? I don't care if it's sex. I don't care if it's the way your your tone comes off. You know what I mean? Your cleanliness around the house. Like all of that goes into it. And if you're not comfortable with your mate and saying those things. And I'm telling you, the guy that I'm talking to now, he's literally putting a lot of things in perspective like that. He's like, you're not vocal enough. You want me to guess what you want? I'm not no mind reader. And yeah. I couldn't do nothing but respect that like you're right. You know what I'm saying? So just talk to your people. Like you said, like you have to pay attention to when your mate changes or when things ain't right. Even if she just walk in the house, hey, babe, but for 10 years she's been coming in the house kissing you in your mouth. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, little mm-hmm. stuff like that. The signs be in front of us, and we just choose oh, not to, to pay attention to it because we like, oh, she ain't going nowhere. He
2: ain't yeah. going nowhere. So my last question, and, and very briefly, y'all can answer this. Do y'all believe that y'all should cohabitate before marriage?
1: Yes. Mm, that's a great question. Absolutely. I do.
2: Absolutely, It's
1: an yeah. auto- automatic yes for me, and it has to happen because people change when you move into it. A place together.
2: Yeah, because I would hate to get married to somebody and not know those little, you're saying, nuance like they're they're messy or they're, mm-hmm. they, you know, just those little things, man. I, and I think it's very important that you know what you're getting into before you make that big commitment.
1: Do you put a cap on your toothbrush? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Do you leave wet rags on the sink, like balled up wet rags and you, you just set it on the sink? Oh, like little stuff like that. You got to know Brush because tape. Yeah, we, I can't deal with little stuff like
2: that. What okay. about you, Seneca?
0: Um, I had to learn that. So we actually didn't move in together until we got engaged. And
2: okay. then when
0: we moved in, it tore us apart. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, hell no. I can't share no closet with nobody. Mm-hmm. It's not happening. Like, it's just little things like that. The laundry, the laundry alone was just crazy. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, hell no. So you gotta learn how to clean your house when you live with somebody. Yeah. What about so you, yes. Mo? So yes, I agree. You should you should cohabitate. Before you.
2: Okay. What about you? I just said yeah.
1: Oh, you did. I ain't hear my bad. I yeah, didn't hear. Yeah, yeah. But I got yeah. a question before we get out of here, and this okay. is y'all gonna be like, here go cool ass L on her shenanigans, Seneca, Seneca, Seneca. So the people wanna know. Oh, shit. You don't got to answer this, but did you do what I asked you to do last week? <laughs> <laughs> like, because I gave you a little bit of homework, and I just want to know how your stomach feels after you went home and you and your husband, Yeah, you, know, you know. I just need to know, did you get an A on your homework or did you fail?
0: I got a B.
2: Oh,
1: so you halfway there, but you still went to the bathroom. And- <laughs> <laughs> so you let it come out in your mouth, but then you went to the bathroom to go spit it out. Okay. Uh, uh,
2: <laughs> That's what you're
1: telling me, Seneca?
2: Well, maybe next time she can get that A. Hey. She'll have to report back to us. and Well, if
1: you got homework again. Your husband <laughs> gonna love me after a while. Like He gonna be like, hey, sis. Sis, thank you for whatever you' like, telling. Hey, like. You on
2: that podcast every week, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, what cool
1: ass am telling you? Are you the sex therapist? But yet, you getting a B on assignments and yeah, we can't
2: have
1: it. A+. I need an A plus. I need an A plus in the next month. Next week we need it. We Why need am A+. I blushing? Oh my
2: God.
1: <laughs> oh, so now you blush it, because last <laughs> right. week you, you had me, me over you know? here like, uh I like how you snuck that in at the end. <laughs> I was waiting for the end too. I'm like, <laughs> right. I'm going to catch her right when we about to get up out of here. Right, right when we about to get up out of here. But again, that's, that's it for me. That's it for me and that's it for the show <laughs> right there.
2: Right there. I can't. I can't with Lauren, man.
1: I, I told you, I've been over here like this the whole time.
2: The <laughs> we, whole almost time. Had another, we almost had another flawless show.
1: We'll never have I ain't <laughs> looking for flawless. Huh? I ain't looking for flawless over here. I ain't never trying to be perfect. Okay. That's why they love us at Static Energy Podcast, because we real.
2: Yo, we definitely appreciate y'all listening, man. If you made it to this point all the way to the end. We thank y'all uh, for rocking with us. Y'all making our numbers go up. we getting a lot of good looks. People ringing uh, the phones, just saying. And we got fans, man. We got people that are really tuned in. That you know, So we, we thank y'all, man.
1: I really, 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 really appreciate y'all for rocking with us each and every week. This is my favorite thing on the planet to do is talk, get on here and talk to y'all every week. So I appreciate y'all rocking with Static Energy Podcast. Seneca, I appreciate you coming through for another week, blessing us with your presence. And I think yep. we'll see y'all next week. Same time, same day. Yeah.
2: This is Seneca.
1: Hey. Lauren. Cool ass L was popping.
2: And I'm your boy Mo Giles. Thank you for listening to Static Energy Podcast. And we out. Blow.
1: Blow.